Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I, and sometimes Kelly, are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know some love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whichever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. We are doing the August 28th episode. I cannot believe how many recaps we've done. It doesn't feel like this many, but I think we're on the 28th episode. This week, we have one of our members, Melissa Bertella is joining us. And I'm really excited because God gave me this amazing gift in Guantanamo Bay of Annika, who just was as excited about talking about God's word as I am. And you guys can't even understand what happened when I discovered where God plopped us when he moved us to Washington, right next to another woman who just loves to talk about God's word. She's my next door neighbor (laughs) and a sweet, sweet friend. So thanks for being willing to be on with us. Thanks for inviting me. This is going to be so much fun. I woke up this morning and was like, Melissa's on the podcast today. (laughs) This is going to be so much fun. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Our Bible studies are so fun. I think Rebecca was talking about this. I'm so glad to be here. And both Melissa and Andrea are here because it's true. Watching people express emotion, even as they're listening to other people talk about the word, compels you to keep, you just keep getting excited. And um, Mm. anyway, it's just really fun to watch you both and have you both in that group together. Tuesdays are so much fun. Tuesdays are so much fun. We are moving into other books, which makes us sad about Romans, but thrilled about Jeremiah. And we not only just, not only do we barrel about Jeremiah, but we barrel through Lamentations. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. Okay. So can we just talk about Lamentations for two seconds? It's been a really long time since I've read either Jeremiah or Lamentations, but to mm-hmm. read them back to back like that, I was like, so good. Why did I bother reading Jeremiah? Like, <laughs> well, and there's Jeremiah in a nutshell. Like, we got it because because it was like this recap of all the. <laughs> horror and then God's mercy right in the middle of it. And so I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that is Jeremiah. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. They just go hand in hand though. Right? I love that. It's like, he's speaking forth this word and he's saying all these things that he, that are terrible and awful, but you also get his prayers. He's doing mm-hmm. both. The one ushers and the other. You can't have mm-hmm. just speaking his word without actual crying out that you see Jeremiah doing lamentations, which I appreciated. Getting- right. And again, like the calamity is a result of their mm-hmm. actions. That shows up a couple times in Lamentations too. The people are responsible for it and it's just, and yet there's mercy mixed in. I say we just start in Jeremiah and Lamentations, but can I just tell you that I was a little annoyed that we get to the end of the book and we're like, oh, by the way, Zedekiah is Jeremiah's grandson. Okay. So that was actually a question. Is it the same? In every other place where Zedekiah is mentioned, it specifically gives you this lineage. And I, as far as I know, this is the only Jeremiah that would be well known enough to mention him. Like, I'm just assuming that that's the case. <laughs> I wrote, wait, what? What, what? <laughs> okay. A lot of times when they name someone, they name the parent too, but that doesn't mean that that parent is a huge character in the okay. story. But I, that's I, don't, true. I don't know if that that's applies true. here. I was going to go get my other Bible, but it's downstairs. So I'm not going to get it. I had a question. I'm really glad you brought that up 
because when I was reading that, I'm like, is that our Jeremiah? Is that, is that right? Is that right? I didn't dive into that. That is so crazy if that's the case. Currently Googling. I want my Bible because I'm pretty sure that if I looked at the notes in my Bible, it would, it would say, say, you're probably right. It's downstairs. Do I want, do you want yeah, me to? Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know. Right back. <laughs> this is important now. Now, now we're, we're all emotionally invested. Okay. Hey there. I just wanted to take a quick break to let you know that if you're enjoying our reading plan, but you're looking to dive deeper into the text using the Bible as your source, you would love our dive studies. When you become a member of Dive Collective, you get access to all of our interactive group studies. We begin the book of Mark on August 11th. We'll dive deep into one chapter per week. You'll have the opportunity to participate in live online video discussion with Annika and I and the rest of the Bible study group. Our next studies begin August 11th, so be sure to sign up at divecollective.org before we start. We would love to study with you soon. You got it? Here we go. I have an answer. Yes. Do we have, do I get to delete this whole beginning of our podcast? Yep. Okay. Okay. It's not Jeremiah. So Zedekiah ruled Jeremiah of Libna, otherwise unknown. Jeremiah the prophet, this Jeremiah, and one other person from Jeremiah 35.3 have the same name. I asked my, I ran this because Isaac Stead is here. And oh, I, nice. Isaac was like, are you done already? And I was like, no, but I need my Bible. And maybe you can answer this question for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and Pa was like, I, I asked it really fast too. Like, I was like, do you know this one in this Jeremiah? And, Jeremiah? and he was like, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> oh, what good well, are you? Well, now we all know it is not the same Jeremiah. And I'm not I'm looking as mad at that they put it at the end. No, actually, it's probably a good thing to include. That's the point, right? We don't know what we're doing. We're figuring it out as we're we learning. It actually <laughs> made me feel a lot better that Isaac said didn't know what I was talking about. You right know what? Well, if we had that question, a lot of Who other else? people are going to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who else is going to have that question? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a good one. Maybe so- less of my franticness, though. <laughs> oh, no, that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> that's gold. <laughs> and this is why I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> Okay, Lamentations, the message version. I really, really like the message version for all of these. In other versions, I don't know. They just don't hit me quite as hard. But I really love in Lamentations 3, it ends with crying out in verse 18. That portion ends with, I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. God is a lost cause. And then the next section begins with hope. Mm-hmm. It says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, hell, well, I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom, but there's one thing that I remember and remembering I keep a grip on hope. And this is what he remembers. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I'll say it over and over. He's all I've got left. That totally made me think of Naomi. He's all I've got left. I'm sticking with him. I'm going back when I have nothing. All I have left is the hope that I know that he is faithful, that he is good. His mercies are new every morning. And so she goes back when you have nothing left. All you have left is hope when you have God. Only when you have God, there's still that hope. And I just love that. But it says it's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. The worst 
I'm kind of skipping some lines as I go, but then it says the worst is never the worst. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. He takes no pleasure in making life hard in throwing roadblocks in the way. I love that. He takes no pleasure. Mm-hmm. He takes no pleasure in making life hard. Is that in 33? That's 33. I love how he says that. Mine says, and I, that's so funny because I stopped at that verse because my version says, for he does not afflict from his heart. Like it's oh, not what I love that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so good. It's like that's not that's not his heart. He doesn't afflict from his heart. His heart. Yeah, this whole affliction, this pain that they're coming through—that's not. It's not his desire for them. If you go down, which I went down to um, verse fifty-seven, and those two kind of tie in together for me somehow. Mm-hmm. But it, verse fifty-seven, it says, "You came near when I called on you." And it's just like that picture, you know, God doesn't afflict from his heart like a ruler in that day or a cruel king or somebody who likes to inflict pain on the weak. From like a when we're, yeah, he doesn't take pleasure in that. And when we're mm-hmm. face down in the dust, he doesn't come over and walk on us. When we call to him, he comes near to us. Yes. I love that picture. Yes. Yes. So yes, good. yes. You came close when I called out. You said it's going to be all right. Yes. You came close. Yeah. I love that. You said it's going to be all right. I love that version. Mine says, you came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. Mm-hmm. In the midst of all of this, this is a pretty bleak situation. And it's all so of the stuff bleak. he's describing is mm-hmm. so hard. And yet he calls out to him and he answers him and he goes, he comes near and he says, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. Yeah, and the picture of Jeremiah before that, when he's describing God in 49, I love that it's a picture of him crying out for his people. Like he says, the tears stream from my eyes and artesian well of tears until you, God, look down from on high, look and see my tears. When I see what's happened to the young women in the city, the pain breaks my heart. I'm like, oh my Lord, I am not, I'm so self-centered. Jeremiah's heart for his people. There's a lot of growth Mm. that needs to happen (laughs) in me. That makes sense for my people. There was, that was Romans for me this time. I'm just going to say, are you going to Romans on a yes. chapter 12? So yes, Romans 12, but the part I was thinking of that was like a gong in my head was 15, seven. Mm. And then just after that, 13 is under, I've had the underline before, but 15, seven says, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. And for me, mm. that is... I am not an accepting person. People are really hard for me in real life. And so that was this just, I mean, I know that, but that like, as Christ has also accepted you was like this, like whack against the side of the head, my head. And then 13, I am not capable of that in my own. I'm not, I don't want to accept people naturally, but verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only possible way I could ever be what Christ is calling me to be in a relation to other people is by the hope that God's filled me with that's overflowing by the power of the spirit. So it's different, but I thought of when you just said what you said, Aaron, in how it relates to how passionate Jeremiah was about his people and how much he cared. Like I'm not, I don't care that much. Like I'm not naturally, but that was something (laughs) I've been thinking about a lot, but in relation to Romans, not in relation to Jeremiah. So, well, let me just piggyback on that. And I think that what I'm going to say is um, like the verse that you 
that you brought up, I want to talk about it. And I'm not sure it totally relates to exactly what you're saying, except that in that, if I start out this, what I'm about to say with the fact that like the people that I am the most um, uninclined to pray for or care for are the people that have had, like have all the chances and choose to. It should know better. Yeah. The ones that should know better. Mm-hmm. The way that my, my, version wrote it made me think of Sally's comment in Bible study on Tuesday about how the gospels were a love letter to the Pharisees. Pharisees. Yeah. Love letter to the Mm -hmm. Pharisees. This is what it says. It says, so reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Jesus staying true to God's purposes reached out in a special way to the Jewish insiders so that the old ancestral promises could come true for them. As a result, the non-Jewish outsiders have been able to experience mercy and to show appreciation to God. I need to pray for my people more. I need to pray. I need to care. Like the way that Jesus cared for the people Mm -hmm. that he came for Mm -hmm. and lamented and wept bitterly Mm -hmm. over them. And didn't give up on them. I tend to weep bitterly over my own circumstances and what he's doing me more than I do for for the people in Mm -hmm. general. So that was just a... And how we see Jesus responding to particularly the Pharisees so much patience and grace. It's not always patience and grace with the Pharisees. He's Mm -hmm. pretty blunt and honest and sometimes a little bit harsh, but there's never, it's never too late. There's never no chance. You know what I mean? So for me, I, the accepting part was a big one for me because I write, I tend to just write people off or, or just like, be like, I don't someone else can deal with that. You know, I will say though, that when we talk about the transformational power of the word of God, I will say that when I came to the end of Lamentations, it compelled me to pray for my church, specifically for the church here, for the local church, for Dive Collective, where it says this very end, it says, and yet God, you're sovereign still, you're thrown intact and eternal. So why do you keep forgetting us? Why dump us and leave us like this? Bring us back to you, God. We're ready to come back. Give us a fresh start. Bring us back to you, God. We're ready to come back. I went to my knees and I was like, this is this is what I'm praying for our people, you know, bring us back to you, make us ready to come back. You put us completely, we're all completely isolated. You've separated us and mm. made us become alone with you. Let us come God, back to that's you. That's so good. We are that's such so a time good. of exile, right? Yeah. I love that. I can, I can relate so much with what you were saying, Annika, and just it's hard for you to be around people and love people. I'm the exact same way. I'd rather just it's exhausting to me. Like it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's so interesting. I love people. I think I do, but then when it comes down to it, I'm like, I think I just want to be alone. I think I'm good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I was just going to say, but then there's these people. I, that's why I think I don't know if I really love people because there are certain people that I just love and can't get enough of. Well, right. The easy ones. The easy ones. There are people that are easy. Yes. Exactly, a hundred percent. And those ones are like joy different, and sunshine. Yes. Oh, they're not even in the same thing. category. Yeah, right. it's just completely different. But then, just to be around other people, my temper can get short. And I just have to say, when I looked at the chapters that we were going to be going over, I was so excited and so cut at the same time because Romans twelve, thirteen, fourteen, like Romans twelve is probably one of my favorite chapters in Romans. Mm-hmm. I, Let's do I really it. think it is. It's so good. Oh, it's so simple. And but so it's like, not. so the beginning of Romans is like this, like just like theology and technical mm-hmm. and like, this is how everything works. And then you get to Romans 12 
And it's like, okay, so now that I've explained all of that to you, yes. now go do this, go yes. live this way. And I feel like that's for me, give me the beginning of Romans. Those, <laughs> I feel like I've kind of just skimmed over that last part yes. because I want the brain stuff. Like I want to think yes. through those technical things. I love mm. that. When it comes yes. down to actually changing what I do, that's when I'm like, I'm going to check. Right? Yeah. The way he lists it, it's like, boom, boom, do this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's one of my favorite parts in that chapter. Mm -hmm. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And then he just keeps, you know, bless those who persecute you. It's just like this do, 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 do. And I'm like, man, I, uh, 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 it's so good, but it's, he's just laying it all out. Right, so right. Like, one right after the everything. other. He hits everything, your gifts. And I, I even love the beginning of the chapter. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy mm. and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Just being transformed. I mean, obviously, it's intended because the only way that you, you can do any of these other things mm -hmm. after that is if you allow God to transform you because none mm -hmm. of this, you'll stop at verse nine, at the yes. very first thing right. in verse nine, let love be genuine. Done. Yeah, I done. just said how my love, I don't think <laughs> yes. is genuine for people because mm -hmm. as soon as they're difficult or I don't enjoy being around them, I'm like, peace out friends. Mm -hmm. Y'all go fight. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. You know, <laughs> just These chapters overwhelm me. And then like with what you guys were just talking about, earlier about loving one another and praying for one another. 15, the first verse, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak mm. and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up for Christ does not, did not please himself. And then it goes through. And I was just so convicted of all the things you that he's talking grimacing. about. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh. Like, don't please yourself. He gets so specific with the food and the issues that they were having. And I'm just like, but that's my right. That's my freedom to do this. You know what I mean? Like, that's where my brain comes from. And it's not wrong. But his whole, his whole perspective, what he's saying is like, it doesn't matter. Why are you going to stumble, you know, for food? Is food worth stumbling your brother and sister or their soul? Is that, is that worth it to you? Like, is this so important to you? This thing, whatever it is in our society. Now you can input anything in that blank. Is this right? This freedom, this, whatever, so important to you that you're willing to sacrifice. I feel like I soul. just had this conversation with you, Annika, like within the last like few weeks. <laughs> I, and I thought it was on the recap. It was it's my freedom and I don't want to have to give up my freedom oh, yeah. for somebody yeah. else's. Like yeah. we've literally yeah. had the same Oh yeah, I told you. So this, well, so when I was reading Romans this week, I forgot we had this conversation, but that's what I'm like, oh, we're getting to that part I don't like. Like, <laughs> we're getting and to the part like. <laughs> I think it's in maybe first Corinthians too, but where yeah. we're like that, the weaker brother idea where, and it's the weaker believer. That's what I have yes. a problem with. It's easy yes. for me to think about putting other people's needs or feelings or beliefs ahead of my own. I'm trying to show them the gospel. That makes mm -hmm. sense to me. But when it's someone who already understands the gospel, but they don't understand freedom, that's what's hard. For that's me. a sign of immaturity. The people <laughs> if you're legalistic, you're immature. <laughs> kind of, right? That's kind of what, it, that's sort of the point that it's making, right? Is that like, yeah, is that those yeah. people who are legalistic in my head, I feel like they're like the hard hearted Pharisees that like, well, I don't need to have anything right. to do anyway. But like in this case, if you think about it in, in those terms, it's more like those are the people that 
our freedoms might cause them to stumble. And so we, that's what, this is the conversation that we've had before. Is it like mm-hmm. my free, why should I give up my freedoms for another believer that should know better? For, right. Read your Bible. <laughs> right. Read your Bible. You have the same spirit. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. One of the reason that, reasons that this other verse stuck out to me in 15, because after all of that, I read that and I'm like, mm-hmm. ugh, this is, this is not naturally me. And I don't really, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Like this is too much. Yeah. But then verse 13 is like, I have the power of the Holy Spirit yes. and a God of hope who's filling me, who's, yes. who has the capacity to fill me with joy and peace as I believe so much so that it's going to just overflow. Not, yeah. And that's like, not that all of our Christian walk and faith is passive, but that's that passive aspect of it. That when we ask, yes, we're go- it's going, he he's going to it. fill us and overflow. And so it's that's his fruit. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. I was praying that this morning as I was like, more of your Holy Spirit, more of your Holy Spirit. So that my joy and my faithfulness, that those would administer to people in my life that I pray with. And it was like, no, 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 no. So that your joy, your peace, your faithfulness, so that your fruits, because that, yeah, overflow from me and they reach other people. That's the thing is we all get in that, like, I have to do these things or I have to be this way in order for other people to know God. No, I have to be like completely surrendered to, I have to let him do what he wants to do in me through Mm -hmm. his Holy spirit who does that work. So I just have to be an open vessel because when I'm walking according to the spirit, then I can just do whatever my hands, whatever my hands desire to do. And he's with me. I'm all up in that right now. We, and when we go to Samuel first Samuel, and we should probably go. I was just going to say David. It's exactly right. That's what, so, so last week, as I was editing the podcast, I had this fleeting, like it was a Holy spirit moment where I just felt like the Lord spoke to me, but I just felt like I heard him say a leadership. I have made you a leader. You are a leader. Put your hands to whatever it is that you desire to do. And I will be with you. So that, and because I'd been reading Samuel about Samuel and looking at his leadership, the way that he was just giving away leadership, he just, wherever he went, he was giving away leadership. Like it, it was a gift. But then this week, as we're reading about David, that's exactly right. Melissa, as I was looking at it going, that's that's it. Like he was filled with the Holy spirit and he was just doing whatever it was that was on his heart to do. Mm-hmm. Except there was this one moment that we'll talk that maybe I'll just talk about now. The one moment <laughs> where Saul is giving him his daughter out of mm-hmm. his own for his own selfish reasons. And he, and then he, he reneges on the first daughter, but with Macal at a Macal. Michael. I always call her Michael. I was called, yeah, I always heard Michael. (laughs) With Michael, when he basically says, if you bring me a hundred or a thousand heads, Mm -hmm. a hundred, a hundred four, a hundred foreskins, a hundred foreskins. That's gross. It's gross. (laughs) It's nasty. A hundred foreskins. And (laughs) only it were heads. Right. (laughs) Kind of wish it was. (laughs) Got a mental picture going on. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, bring me a hundred foreskins and you can have my daughter. And David was pleased. There was something he could do for the King that would qualify him mm. to be his son-in-law. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my word. That's, mm. that was like a huge moment for me where it was like, that's, that is the temptation is I want to do something, mm. have some success in something that qualifies me to be who God created me to be anyway, who I already am. That really stuck out to me. But in general, yeah, David's just his leadership and his doing whatever it was on his heart to do. And God was with him is such a beautiful picture of yeah, God's desire and leadership. And that like he had the David and Goliath thing in nursery school, you read that story and it's like, 
he was the underdog and he didn't have a chance. And yet somehow God made this, did this miracle and his entire life, he trained for this moment. He knew he had the upper hand. It didn't even occur to him that he wouldn't be able to conquer. Yeah. He's like, and it seemed like he was like, why are you waiting for me? Well, and the fact that like, he says, who is this that he should defy the armies of the living God? Like he shows up, they've been camping for 40 days. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The life's been coming out twice a day for 40 days. And, and David, David just happens to and show And he's up. kind of like, mm-hmm. guys, yeah. the Lord of armies, like, why how, Why are we still here? That's, yes. I read it differently this yeah. time too. Yeah. But that David was like, I mean, he's not, a, he's a human. I mean, I've wrestled lions and bears. Like, there's nothing scary about this. I could take him with one stone. I just love that. And I was like, he never had the disadvantage. He knew going in. God was more than capable of conquering this giant of all things. And I've already been trained for it. Whatever I'm, whatever he's calling me to do, he's created me to do it. He's prepared me for it. He's, and no, I'm not in any way qualified, but somehow I'm prepared because that's how God works. Like Because you have the spirit, like that's yeah. kind of the, that's the only reason any of us are qualified to key. be part of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Cause we're not doing it in our own. One of the things that I was thinking about in terms of David, and I think I was thinking about it in terms of this last um, chapter one of Mark, where we talked about the wilderness Mm. and how close God is in the wilderness, how close he is to us. And I was thinking about how much time David spent alone. (sighs) You know what I mean? his, His entire life was the runt to just watch the sheep. So he's out by himself a lot. And, he's, and then he's being chased by Saul, mm-hmm, like hiding. when he's in the wilderness and he's hiding mm-hmm. and he's in caves and he's, yeah. Right. And he's the, yeah. he's the grandson of Ruth, right? So he's had faithful, he's got a lineage of faithful mm-hmm. people. So he was raised in the word, you know, he was raised mm-hmm. according to God's law and according to his word. So he's, he's been doing all of these things as a young boy, but he's out in the wilderness, like meditating on it. You know, like what else does he have to do except to think about like who God is, why his word says what it says. You know, I just, he's grown up in that wilderness experience where all he has is time to think and be in God's presence. And certainly that has something to do, I think, with, I think that he had a special, I think he, he had, had for God. So I was listening to um, a study the other day and the speaker was talking about Paul specifically and how his name means little and all of that. And then she kind of got into this, um, she went down this trail of saying, if your name means small and you're constantly reminded of that, what must that do to you? Like every time you hear your name, you're thinking small, little, how many of us deny the power of Christ in our lives of what we could be and what we could do because we refuse to be little because we refuse to be small and to be used. A lot of times it's just pride that comes in that just takes that away from us because we can't allow ourselves to become so little or so insignificant. And I think Andrea hit on that on Tuesday in our Bible study where she was talking about the men that let the paralytic down from the roof they didn't care. Their whole point was to get this man to Jesus. And the fact that they just faded into the background, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They were little, they were small. They did their, they did what God had for them to do in that moment. And everybody glorified God as a result. Right. So it just, it just, I keep coming back to that whole be little, be little. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in the middle of everything. You don't have to have, you know, no, it doesn't matter if you work hard doing this really hard project or if you've, you're the only reason that this one thing is successful and 
your name shouldn't even be mentioned in it, right? It just be yes. small. You know what I mean? Like yes. I think that was David. A lot of the times he was just well, so he small. was the runt, right? Like that's he the, was. That's yeah, God needs the the ones that can be small. But mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. good. I keep coming back to thinking about loving people and all of this, and how David must have been so tried and must have been so frustrated at times because he still sought to live in peace with Saul, even throughout Mm -hmm. all the times he tried to kill him and went all bipolar on him, you know, and, and he just, he just sought to live in harmony with him, which (laughs) brought me back again to Romans 15, one, because that whole time that we're talking about earlier, where we're talking about how hard it is to love and, but we have the hope and it's just Jesus working through you. I love that in that, in that portion of scripture in 15, in verse five, it says, may the God of endurance and encouragement mm-hmm. grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. I love how he uses encouragement and endurance. Yeah. Endurance <laughs> is not by accident. Yeah. It's not. It's like, yeah. this is, I'm going to encourage you, but you've got, you've got to have endurance. This, this is a long haul. Like this is not mm-hmm. something that is just a flash. This is, this is a, this is long. You're going to mm-hmm. need endurance, but <laughs> it's so precious because he knows that about us. Right. I yeah. love that. And can I just say, I love how all almost always, not always, but for the most part says Christ Jesus instead of Jesus Christ. He prefers Christ Jesus. I love that. I notice it more and more in his letters. People are writing and they're like, Jesus, he's the Christ. And he's like, Christ, right. his name is Jesus. That mm-hmm. is the focal point of when he talks about Jesus, he's the Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like they're reversed. Um, and I went through and most of the other writers, they use it overwhelmingly in the New Testament, Jesus Christ. And Paul overwhelmingly uses Christ Jesus. And I think mm-hmm. just the fact that he was so central as the Christ in his life that he relied on him getting into first Corinthians, how he talks about how he couldn't even speak right. And he was weak and he was mm. like just this horrible mess. I picture this blubbering mess up there. And he, that was God's purpose. Like, anyways, we could probably go to it, but, or I've taken us from old Testament to new Testament. Yeah, that's, again, but that's, yeah. um, my mind jumps two, one through five. He, he touches in chapter one about mm-hmm. like, it wasn't because I'm eloquent. The beginning, the end of chapter one, the beginning of chapter two. You're right. It's like yeah. all through it. He yes. just kind of. Yeah. Yes. He's, I, and I was with you, chapter two, verse three. I was with you in weakness and mm-hmm. fear and much trembling. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Mm-hmm. I love how he embraces it. He's a mess. He's just not yeah. that great of a yeah. And His whole message, this whole, this whole first two chapters is about why on earth would you, why would you associate yourself with men when you have <laughs> like, yeah, why, why, thank God I didn't baptize any of you except so-and-so. Yeah. So you're all picking sides going around saying I'm on Paul's side or I'm for Apollos or Peter is my man. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Wait, is awesome. Wait, did you write that? <laughs> Like I told her <laughs> or I'm in the Messiah group. I ask you, has the Messiah been chopped up in little pieces so we can each have a relic of our own? Was Paul crucified for you? It talks about all that. But that whole first part, that whole message is like, are you kidding me? Like I purposely put this in plain English. I purposely came <laughs> spoke as childlike as I could so that 
when the message was received and when you, when you gained the wisdom that you gained, it could only be from God. He purposely chose, he's basically like, he purposely chose you idiots so that it could like, <laughs> so that he could be glorified because there's no way any of you should be as wise as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, only God can make you guys as able to understand the depths of God's love for you. And mm. so that's where I love, um, chapter two is. Yeah, you know, I'm plotting along, I'm reading along, reading along. And then I'm like, of course I'm in the message, right? So it's all different words, but I'm, there's no other passage that describes the Holy Spirit and how much it means to us than this passage mm-hmm. right here. Chapter two, almost the entire second half, it's gold. It's gold. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day because I was out mountain biking with Abby. It was just Abby and I, and we like just off of a black diamond She's riding along 20 feet ahead of me and I hear her holler back and I couldn't believe my ears. So I I made her say it again, but she was like, when we get home, can we do something fun together? And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, you mean like as a family? And she's like, no, just you and me. And I was like, you know, and there's something inside of me that like, just kind of like breaks. It's like, there is not enough of me. There is not enough Aww. of like, there will never be enough of me, you know, like, no, cause, and that's how it works. Like the more you give of yourself, the more they want in this finite world with this finite time and these finite shells mm-hmm. of human bodies, like there's just not enough. And this whole passage is like, God sent his son so that he could put his spirit in our spirit. So there's more than enough. It's complete and access to all of the depths of God so that we would be able to have all of him at all times, whenever, as much of him as we want, we, we get. And here it even uses the word capacity. So I'm just going to read this passage real quick because I just love it so much. What verses is it? Yeah. So, tell me where So chapter starting. two, I'm actually going to, I'm looking for where I'm going to start uh, somewhere around verse six, six. or seven. Yeah. Yeah. You don't find it lying around the surface. It's not the latest message, but more the oldest. What God determined is the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what this eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. Here it is. But you've seen and heard it because God, by his spirit, has brought it all out into the open before you. The spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Whoever knows what you're thinking and planning except you yourself. The same with God, except that he not only knows what he's thinking, but he lets us in on it. God offers a full report on the gifts of life and salvation that he is giving us. We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. We learned it from God who taught us person to person through Jesus. And we're passing it on to you in the same firsthand personal way. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gift of God's spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can only be known by spirit. God's spirit and our spirits in open communion, spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit, anyone who knows what he's doing? 
has been answered. Christ knows, and we have Christ's spirit. Oh my gosh. We have access to the depths of God by Christ's spirit. Like the good news is the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But like, there's a capstone on that, that because of all of that, the fullness of time came so that he could dwell in us and with us so that we could have full access to all of him when he put his spirit inside of us as like that gift that seals us. I think so often we've talked about this before that like talk about God, the father and God, the son, who's Jesus and Jesus is everything. Like Jesus did the work. It was his humility. Like he's the mo- he's what we get to see is as the model of God's love, but without the Holy spirit to like, live in us and reveal it to us and show us it's all three. They are all three God and they are all three worthy of awe. Like a mom, like that ripping every time you realize there's not enough of you, of your love, they can't get enough of it. And it's like, man, if I could just put my heart in them so they could experience how much I love them, like there would, Mm -hmm. that'd be so great. And (laughs) so that's what God did. He was like, you know what, just let me put my heart in yours and then you'll know how much then you can know how much I love you. It can already be proven forever and ever. Like, mm-hmm. that's so good. Also just read that in Jeremiah. Okay, so while I'm skimming through Jeremiah to try to find that, I came across the Spurgeon quote this week. He said, the best interpreter of a book is generally the man who wrote it. The Holy Ghost mm-hmm. wrote the scriptures. Go to him to get their meaning and you will not be misled. And so I'm like, well, that's our whole goal. And then I was like thinking through that passage because I won't ever probably think about the Holy Spirit without thinking about this First Corinthians two ten. And then I read it the next day. Mm. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. I'm curious what that verse is. I hope you can find it. Yeah. In my, like this first Corinthians passage that you just read, there's a verse that I think is so precious because it, it's verse seven. It says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. I loved how that said, like, that's for us. That's our glory. That's what he desired. He decreed it before the ages for that purpose. When you think about, like you were just talking, Aaron, about just like we have access to all of him and we have his spirit and we have his heart. And he's saying here for your glory. I that's that so Stop much. that. Oh my gosh. That's a- Verse seven. It's so good. Right. Because like, we're so we're taught it's ingrained in us to never talk about our glory. It's never, it's never about our glory. I I still don't really like, it still like makes me um, trepidatious to even, it seems so audacious to ever talk about our glory at all in any way Mm -hmm. in in relation to the word of God. I'm going to chew on that for a while, Melissa, because I feel like that's kind of the thing that I feel like God is just starting. Maybe I feel like he's planting these little seeds of like, Mm. That just seems like a seed. I need to like let that one grow a little bit. <laughs> Reading C.S. Lewis's Weight of Glory was a real was a big moment yes. for me. Um, yes, that his yes. desire is to f- affirm us, and you mm-hmm. see him do it, right? You see him do it with Paul. Mm-hmm. Like when he speaks to Paul, he mm-hmm. affirms him. When he speaks to Jesus, he affirms him. Like that's like yes. um, he does affirm us. Yes, yes. But that word glory, especially, is kind of like ooh, for our glory. No, all for his glory, all for his glory, all for his glory, not for my glory, you know, but that's, anyway, that's the Paul. Yep. It's right there. <laughs> Which verse is it for you? For me, it's verse seven, seven and that's out of the ESV. Okay. That's the translation. It's talking about that secret hidden wisdom that only the spirit can reveal that only the spirit can teach. Mm-hmm. And it says he's decreed it for our glory. Wow. 
<laughs> Jesus is so awesome. Just he love is him. so awesome. <laughs> he wants to Did share everything. Him? He wants to share I everything. Know. His whole purpose is to share it all. Yeah, just empties co-heirs himself out. Him. Like but he yeah. empties himself out so that we can all be co-heirs. Mm-hmm. Too much. Crazy. Yeah. So the verse I was thinking of, I think, is in Ezekiel. But the one I think in Ezekiel... Your heart, replace your heart of stone with a heart of, heart flesh. of flesh. Yeah. Let me see if this is it. I love that. That makes me think of that supple, like yes. having a supple heart that can stretch and shrink according to his. Like the wineskins? The wineskins from, from the past. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's Ezekiel it. 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Mm. Yeah, we start Ezekiel this week, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah, there's just so much good stuff. There was so much. This there was so much when I saw it. I was like, I could spend. I could talk about one of these chapters. Was there anything else? I guess we should go back. Is there? We should make sure that there's not something that we definitely wanted to share that we missed. When Bruce got on, I was talking about something, Aaron, and I was like, I have to tell Aaron this. And then I never got to finish it. And now I'm finding it. It was from Romans, right? It was from Romans. Okay, so Romans, starting in chapter 9. Let's talk about a lot of mistakes and mess-ups and discipline comes up. Israel rejected, and so God kind of rejects them and moves on. But, so all through 9, 10, and 11, mostly 11 maybe. So, But I was reading those from, in my... I need to read them again before I have this conversation probably, but I was just kind of like, Oh, like the whole time I was reading, I kept thinking this is hard truth. But at the end of chapter 11, chapter 11, he finishes, he's starting in verse 33. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord, which this like kind of echoes, I think it's first Corinthians one yeah. that like God's God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom, which like mm-hmm. who has known the mind of the Lord who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. And so I was reading, like I'm reading all of this and I'm like, some of this doesn't feel just or fair or like, this is hard. Like, yes. like we've talked about before, like those truths about God's character that are sometimes hard to swallow. Like there's a part of Romans where he's talking about he created some people to be vessels, right, the for, vessels for honor and some for dishonor. Right. Yes. And that's and, in here. Which is hard. Like it's just yep. hard. Hard so, stuff. Yes. And then yep. you get to that and it's ba- it's like Job, right? It's like, mm, who do yes. you think you are? Like, who do you think you are? You, you, ha- you can't possibly comprehend the riches mm-hmm. of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Yes. yes. And so I just like, I was reading this and I, Ugh. like, I felt myself like physically getting like tensed up, you know? Yes. And then I got to that and I was like, ugh. No. And there we yeah. go. Like that's how oh. Paul closes it out with. Yes. I don't remember what the context was so much, but I remember just saying out loud, but in our space, we end up with it's both and. We want to like swim in the wonder. The things that people want to be black and white, there's so much that's not black and white. And I think that there's a freedom to do that. Mm. 
And not only is there freedom to do that, but that's where we want to be. That's where we want to spend our time is with his wisdom is so much greater than ours. And to ask the questions and to say, I don't know, or this doesn't make sense. Or I just love that. It could be two things. It could be this and it could be this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. That pressure to know. I think, I think a lot of us grow up in the church or grow up alongside other church members and feel like we have to know things so much of God just doesn't make sense. Like it's so far above us. Yeah. And then we can rest in that, yeah. that we can rest, that, that it's okay that we don't have all of that and we don't understand all of that. I mean, just even going through, like you guys were saying, Jeremiah's rough and lamentations, just reading through that and understanding his, his, the depths of his riches and wisdom of what, what is happening, what's going on and how he is, sounds like he's so harsh and he's taking them through this horrible, horrible time, but yet he's so near to them and he's so close and he's not from his heart, but it's what is good for them. And it's what is right, which I love how those two kind of like in, there's a part in limitations, which one of the things that I noticed that I'll just end with this because this was literally my last thought. In 3.25, it says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. And I've always read that as seeking the Lord and waiting on his wisdom, seeking the Lord and waiting on his guidance. And I think in this context, it's saying they're good, that God is good to those who wait for him. Like he's talking about sorrow and hardship and pain and all of these hard things these people are going through. Don't seek to throw it off as soon as it's put on you. Be like, God is good to those who wait and are patient through Mm -hmm. it and allow him to remove it once they've produced that fruit of righteousness that he's wanting to, Mm -hmm. once he's done, like don't for the, for the soul who seeks him, he is good. Like just wait, let the work be done. Let don't try to, don't try to throw it off too early. Don't, don't miss this. And it's I think that's so element from Romans. Yeah. Yes. It's that, endur- that then Paul writes about that we're reading about and he lived that like who, what other person ran towards persecution? Like he just understood its place in his life and he didn't throw it off. He not only was persecuted in all the ways from, you know, outside, you know, people, you know, stoning him and shipwrecked and beaten and all these things he's persecuted with his physical limitations and being weak and having all these things that the Lord put on him to endure that he never threw off. He just Mm -hmm. was patient and waited and sought the Lord through it. And the result of that, he dictated the entire letter of Romans, right? Like that just came out. That was not anywhere else. He has a secretary and he's just like, write this down. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just, and how does that just, yes, that just, that was just coming out. It was just who he is because it was that work, that work of Christ in him. Like he understood Mm -hmm. who he was, his position in Christ, what his mission was, Mm -hmm. and he was completely sold out to it. Whatever came his way, he wasn't going to, to shy away from. You know, like I just, I saw the two of those Paul's life kind of in lamentations a little Mm -hmm. bit, like, I'm going to sit quietly. I'm going to endure. I'm going to let it sit on me. And I'm going to sit in this uncomfort and this pain because the fruit that it's producing is for your good is for my good. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Thanks for coming. This was so much fun. This was so much fun. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth dive studies where we model our process of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org under the studies tab. And we will see you next week.